0: Good evening, Razorback fans. Welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast, live from the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios, part of Believe and Buzz Radio Networks on one hundred six point seven in Central Arkansas. All live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark. I am Porter Hayes, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Hall. And we're also brought to you by Bet Online. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchups reports for baseball, boxing, NFL, baseball, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest place to place your wager including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Get in on the action. Remember to use your promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And Arkansas Falls, 27-220. Another frustrating, heartbreaking, I, I don't even know uh, what words you could say for for the loss uh, last night. It was kind of a roller coaster of events, how you thought they were going to take advantage of it, take get the score back, mm-hmm. and, and win the game. You, you thought, okay, all right. You know, they the offense hadn't been moving. They finally put a drive together, and turnovers really killed us in this game.
1: Yeah, you know, early on, going up 7-0, you had a lot of confidence, um, you know, down 17-7, to all that shot. But then as they called back, you could tell, too, Um, Miss, their offense was uncomfortable Uh the entire game. Uh, Lane Kiffin was mad about it. Um, it it, just all around, that was not the performance that they wanted to put. Arkansas had every bit of chance to seal that and they just could not capitalize on it.
0: Well, and, and I, to be honest, he, he had every right to be mad at points during the mm-hmm. game because I'm telling you, I, I mean, I even put it out there. Refs refs are actually favoring Arkansas for mm-hmm. a change. That push out of bounds, I mean, I don't care. I mean, somebody was going back and forth with me about it. I don't care if you just put out one hand and touch the guy. Both feet were out of bounds, and he shoved him. I don't care how hard it was. You got to know better than that. And they honestly got away with a the flag there. Um there was a couple of, of the uh, penalties that they just blatantly kind of threw in, in Arkansas's way. So, there in the first half, you know, Arkansas had things going their way and they could not capitalize. You know, we say turnovers and, and, and honestly, to goodness, this, this is how kind of stagnant the offense was. You know, you could put the play calling and they finally hallelujah one under center – but then they just go right back to third and nine, let's call a draw play. And I showed you beforehand, and I don't have the, the audio or the video to show that, but the point I want to make is you go under center, get the first down, and then you call a draw play on third and nine. And if you watch that play, and we'll get into the progressions and, and the reads and stuff on how KJ was last night, didn't have his best. I don't know if he was too, too hyped up because this was – his last game in, in in Mississippi, if if he was trying to do too much, but if you go back and watch the play, if he cuts to the left, he scores or at least gets a first down. Mm-hmm. The the cornerback who is engaging with the the wide receiver wasn't. It's like he knew they're running up the middle, and and I watched it from every angle to see. Well, maybe the the linebacker was coming up, and he thought that he could juke around him. But if he comes up to the line and goes around to the left side of the field. That's a touchdown. That's one of those touchdowns that I think Coach Pittman was talking about. If we traded some of those field goals for touchdowns, it's a whole different game. That play, and it was huge. That was a huge point in the game where you're sitting there needing to, again, take control of the game and you just run right up the middle. So. We'll get into the whole aspect of what we thought cost the game. Turnovers was a big point, but I mean, I just I put a lot of this on on the quarterback when it comes to the the, the two interceptions could have been three or four if you want to put mm-hmm. it very honestly, right there. So,
1: yeah, uh, and that I wouldn't say that he was necessarily trying to do too much. Um, I know that the game meant a lot to him being his last game in Mississippi, um, but. I think he was trying to do whatever he could um, to win to score to whatever and it just wasn't working out. Um, I go back to the offensive line with you know which it's like beating a dead horse but it wasn't working in the first half so then they switch things up after coming out after ha- or coming out after halftime and it still wasn't working. Um, whatever miscommunication is going on on the offensive line um, you know, this many games in, I'm, you know, it's just I I don't know if there's hope to get it fixed.
0: Well, and there is, and and, and I go back to the play calling. If you look at how they block, that they're blocking inside, and they're, they're they're making this V to where you see all the time. KJ is going up the middle trying to get out of coverage. He very few times did he have to roll out and try to escape mm-hmm. the rush. It's. It's almost like the Mighty Ducks. Which we're going to form this V formation and spread them out. And, again, yes, the offensive line has a lot of woes going on when it comes – there was a lot of, you know, the running backs, the tight ends. There was one – I can't remember exactly which play it was, but they had a tight end, a running back. The tight end goes out, for, out, out on a, a streak – and then the running back runs right past the guy who is blitzing. He goes on a little out to the left, and mm-hmm. that guy just comes in free. Like, I know, say, like, I, I'm Rocket Sanders, and this play is designed for me to be a swing and a catch. But you know your tight end's running up. You see this guy run, I think you got to take the initiative to pick up that block. You know mm-hmm. nobody's behind you. You know you're nobody's pulling you got to sit there and, and take the initiative of, I'm going to pick this guy up because even if nobody gets open, you've opened to the fact where he can run up the left side and at least get a couple yards.
1: Well, then you have to look
0: at, you know, some,
1: an instance like that. It comes down to, I mean, your awareness, smarts, and coaching of not being coached to do that. Now He just had it in his head that he's going to run to a spot and then just disregarded everything
0: going on in front of him. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where the read comes in. That's yeah. where you, we look at, and, and a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people, well, you know, Enos' system doesn't fit for KJ. Well, I, I for once wants to stand up for Enos in this situation. I know his play calling is suspect. We, we This has nothing to do with his play calling. But when you're a guy that you're trying to get your guy to the next level, what, what do you think is going to happen with KJ? You know, people were talking about KJ being an NFL Type quarterback. What do you think is going to happen when he gets to the NFL? You know, you, you got to try to get him to the fact where he's not reading just half the field. You got to get where he's checking down. He's he looks at one side of the field. They, I mean, the announcers last night on on, on TV were like, the best guys are just sitting on him. Look at the two mm-hmm. interceptions that he did throw. I mean, that pick six. As soon as he threw the ball, he knew he messed up. And granted, when he that's, that's where his footwork needs to get better when he's in the pocket and, and passing the ball because he just stood there and threw the ball to a spot. If he would have kind of stepped to the left or the right, he would have seen that that linebacker, who he thought was jumping back in coverage, was sitting mm-hmm. in that zone. And when he – I mean, when you throw the ball, you're like – and when you watch the play on TV, you're like, who is he throwing to? But when I seen the angle from behind – when he went to throw that ball, I can't remember if it was seventy-five or seventy-two. Somebody was right there in front of him, and he couldn't see. But when he done his forward motion, through the ball and kind of leaned to the left. He's like, "Oh shit, somebody's hmm. there." He's he seen that and yeah. immediately ran down the field. So that's on him. Like you got to be able to pick up the what they're covering. You got to, and also the coaching. If you got you a coach in the in the press box and they're seeing this, hey KJ, they're sitting on you. KJ, there's, you know, the communication. KJ, they're sitting on you. And when you continuously and continue to do that, guess what? You're going to make bad defenses look good because all they're doing is sitting on you on his own. Well, and that's like the, uh, the I think it was a slant over the middle to Tesla that should have been picked.
1: Tesla was triple or double or triple covered. And the second he came out of his break, or two steps out of his break, KJ's just this whole time, and he didn't see that defender that's mm-hmm. just sitting there watching his eyes. Yep. and he tried to break in front of it. Um, luckily for KJ, it wasn't intercepted. But that whole play was telegraphed. I mean, this, he was just eyes to Tesla the second he bro- he broke. Yeah, and it was. I mean, everybody on the field could see it.
0: And and I'll say this too, and this is where, partially on the receivers, you got to come up if you know you see this guy on you. You got to come to the ball because mm-hmm. if you just stand there. You're hoping the ball comes to you. Guy breaks in front of you. I mean, there's got to be a little bit more effort when it comes to the receivers on these routes because that one in general, the last one that got picked. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just standing there. Guy jumps in front of him, catches the ball, and seals the game. If even if you come up, and just try to bump the guy to keep him from catching the ball. It's an it's an incomplete pass, opposed to you. St- you still have the ball, and you're trying to win the game. You know, it's – but, again, he's throwing in double and triple coverage. And a lot of that is maybe, again, he's not comfortable with his guys. Uh, We talked about it in the preseason, you know, in the very first week of getting comfortable knowing who he can throw to. Um, He did – he threw some balls that were, I mean, on target. Like, if he has enough time, but I think he gets flustered too quick, that could be O-line and, and, you know, just the – I wouldn't say PTSD, but it's like you're so used to the pocket breaking down so quick, you've got to make a quick decision. So, th- there's a lot of things that need to be fixed, and it just it really stinks because you got Alabama at Tuscaloosa looming. So, I mean, you, you've got to really get, get on track. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, it's a positive coming out of it. I mean, the has
1: injury coming into this game. You know, we saw uh, Tyrus just basically break out, Ty Washington – um, people weren't expecting that, you know, his only catch last season was in the Liberty bowl for a touchdown. So then it was kind of like a sign of things to come. And then he's just been kind of, I mean, overshadowed, which rightfully so by has, but you know, after that first drive where I think he had five catches um, we didn't hear from him or hear his name called until the third or fourth yeah. quarter. And I get, you don't want to just keep going to the same guy every single time they're going to, but when other things aren't working, if that one thing is working, go to it until they stop you.
0: Yeah. exactly and that's been an MO for this. How at times that mm-hmm. they looked really good on opening drive. Mm-hmm. And one either that is the other they're allowing the other team to adjust to what you're doing. and, and again mm-hmm. it goes to that that telegraphic pattern of their offense. are they are they that telepathic? okay, we're gonna see what they're doing. I mean, look at the MO of this team on offense. We went up 14 nothing on BYU. They come back, got a 10-point lead to come back. You're able to read this offense. That, that should be of, hey, we're going to try some trickeration. It's almost like last year we were hoping don't do these double reverses and don't do these fourth, fourth and goal tight end sneaks. It's like they haven't really run one trick play this year at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, or some kind of misdirection or some kind of deal where you're throwing the offense or the defense off. And you, you've got a stout Bama defense that's starting to roll. You're hoping that they're down. And, again, I said this before the, before the year, when you have that back in the corner, if you're talking about your dynasty's over and they take this and they just lay back, yeah, I, I can say that the dynasty's over. But Bama's starting to roll. Milrose starting to pass the ball. He can you run know, right, right before our
1: game. They, <laughs> exactly. You know, finally has a 300 yard passing game. Um, so they, they developed a passing game this week for right before Arkansas. So that's awesome. But you know, with the old Miss thing, you know, so I'm going to ask this and I looked at this from different viewpoints. And this is the QB sneak on third and inches. And I know, you know, I, Put out there on social media and our text wait a minute what just happened because we ran a qb sneak in the third and inches you know kj under center so was that dan enos pleasing all the critics was that and okay and with him pleasing all the critics was he doing it um if it didn't work so that he could give a middle finger to all those people or was it just to appease them? Or did Sam Pittman override whatever he called and said, you've got to do this?
0: That's tough. Yeah. Because, again, you look at what happened on down the line with that third and nine call. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I mean, it does kind of point in the, the, the direction of, why didn't they run any other plays? Out? That That's the thing. Like, we're talking about this misdirection, this deception. you got to run, I mean, line up under center and run that out pass like we Talk about! I've I've said three or four times. I think it was. I think he replied to an email. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, you know, it, it it's like okay, here here it is, you know. And I th- honestly, I think that moment we should have had a big roar out of the crowd like Ole Miss scored. That's how I mean we have seen all the memes, but it's, but take that momentum and score, you know. You you can't finally be like okay, in third and one, we're going to finally do this quarterback sneak. Awesome. But then you lead to what it led to. So it was almost like he called this, but then KJ ends up running a third and nine quarterback draw. So was that an Eno's play? Or when are we going to start thinking is 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 KJ calling his own shots when it comes to this? Is he able to check out of this? Because if it was a quarterback draw, or does he, you know, because there was one play where they had their RPO going and he, I mean, it, it's crazy when they run this RPO, he's very efficient. But mm-hmm. again, that's a, you're reading a running back and a wide receiver. Cause you're either going to hand it off or you've already got to know who you're going to throw to on, on, on the receiver. So it's a two read system, but to answer the question, I, I don't know who to put that one on, but yeah, if I, me being petty, I kind of want to be like, well, yeah, that that's him saying, you know what? I, y'all happy now? Are you not entertained, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know,
1: I was thinking back, you know, when I saw the RPOs and whatnot last night and the, all the talk of, um, coordinator of past versus coordinator. Now, you know, the Brynels versus Enos, everybody wanted has gone. Now we've got Enos, this, that, the other, and, you know, watching last night and seeing how the offensive line was and seeing KJ, um, seeing the receivers who cannot create separation whatsoever um i don't you know everybody has a, has had issues from a fan standpoint with a pro, this pro style offense so that it's just not working to go back to the rpo offense but I don't think that that really matters in the sense of that we've had an offensive line struggling and we have receivers that can't create separation. It doesn't matter which style of offense we're running.
0: Yeah. I want to answer this question right here. It says, why do we not get design plays to get KJ out of the pocket? He is so much better out of the pocket. That That's blocking. Uh, again, goes back mm-hmm. to my point of if you're blocking and you're fighting that V out, you're not going to be able to get out of the pocket because if you look at some of those plays – the guards and the tackles are sometimes even with you or two yards behind you. So you're not going to be able to get out of the pocket if you can't block. If you want to get him better pocket protection, you've got to have different blocking schemes to where you're getting push. He's able to get time and throw the ball or – like, I, like the question poses, get him out of the pocket to where he can throw. There's sometimes, though, uh, I have to disagree when he's throwing on the run, he's not been that accurate. He has to really be able to sit and throw. There's been a lot of times where he's thrown on the run, he's been under throwing or overthrowing. You know, he's off target. So, um, but to answer the question in a short way, no, it, that has to go with blocking. If you're not able to block, you're not going to be able to get him the chance to get, especially if you're blitzing from the outside, you're not going to be able to get out of the pocket.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like you were talking about with the V and everything, we've seen it a few times this season that KJ does kind of start to move to side to side, and he gets tripped up on the lineman's legs um, and then goes down for a sack. So he's he's not accustomed to that, I don't think. And and we've seen that a few to several times of – uh, him going down from tripping up over somebody's feet
0: or well, that or he's only got one place to go I've seen a couple of times where he got chased down from behind and they tripped him up from behind you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: when you do there's there's no holes you're trying to go back into that V and come out the back side of that and either you got and that's the what they start they done they missed uh, disguise their um, they disguise one of their their blitzes where the guy come up and then he looped back around so mm-hmm. it, you know again, that's where you got to pick that stuff up because if you're trying to get him out of the pocket and then you blitz that way, well, that that's just disaster because you're going into the blitz. I, I've seen this right here a lot. And man, I I'm not doing this to call anybody out or air frustrations because you're not the only one who says this. But but just because Sam Pittman is an online coach doesn't mean you're gonna, it doesn't transcend automatically to O line play. Uh, That is the biggest argument that how can you have, I mean, that's recruiting. I mean, you're recruiting, but recruiting, you got to have success. You have to have success before you look at Eric Musselman, what he's done. He's been able to go out and get kids from the portal and recruit, but look what he's done with that. He's had success. So that follows up and follows up and follows up you're running a style of an offense where now you've got a pro guy in there running a pro style offense, but you've got to have the success. You've got to, I mean, you can't just, just because somebody's 350 pounds like this comment right here, you know, get five big guys to you, just because you have the size doesn't mean you have the talent to block. You're not just standing there holding a guy. You have to be quick on your feet. You have to be agile. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, it's it. is you've got to had continued success, and that's why I said before the year, this year is the most important year that Arkansas has had in 10 years because either you're going to start going up with your program or you're going to start going down. And we're seeing the downward spiral of this program. People are de- deleting Twitters, and at, you know they're letting the noise get to them. And I know that's hard to say because – We don't know how many DMs they get and and mentions. I'm sure their phones lock up. They get, but you're seeing this downward spiral of pop more than likely two and five coming out of this stretch, and people are already moving on to basketball season. So Mm -hmm. it's, I I don't know what's going to fix this. It's going to be short of a miracle, but hopefully they can get out of this hole. You know, and a win against Mississippi State, maybe that can kickstart them to finish out the year strong. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think looking at um, Coach Pittman, when he came in um, within his first year or two, um, I remember him saying that he was going to treat this like um, the position, like he was a CEO. He's going to find and hire the right guys. He's going to trust those guys to do the jobs that they were hired for because they know better than he does – about the particular groups that they coach, those positions. And that sounds great and everything, but, you know, is he letting the coaches have, um, I guess, not enough repercussions for when their position groups aren't performing? You know, if there's been issues with the offensive line, whether it's, you know, the offensive line, whether it's the defensive line, whether it's wide receivers – I mean, he should be going to those position coaches. And I don't know that he's not. He very well could possibly be. But figuring out what's going on, what's wrong, what's the issues, um, and then just, you know, stop making it seem like you're just letting those coaches do their thing and you don't have a say in it.
0: Yeah, and, and that's where we kept on saying, like, look, you, you've you got to at some point step in. And you brought mm-hmm. up the, the, the question of the – the fourth-and-one quarterback sneak or going for it or third-and-one third and quarterback sneak. There's some time where you got to step in and make it that executive decision because guess what? All in all, Hunter, your check's going to see that th- this is your team. You're the one out there. You're the head of the team. It doesn't matter if your quarterback messes up, coaches mess up. It all falls on the head coach's head. You've mm-hmm. got to make those choices. Something I really want to bring up, Uh, after the break is I want to talk about a point about Danny Nose and and the position that um, Coach Pittman that was put in that we're really totally forgetting. I'm not making excuses, but it's something to think about moving forward and really putting something in the aspect of expectations and what's really happened with this football team, and we will talk about that after the break. Attention DIYers and home improvement enthusiasts. Are you searching for the right tools and the supplies to tackle your next project? Look no further than Menor's Hardware Store. With locations in Ozark, Alma, and Clarksville, our vast selection of hardware and building materials is sure to have everything you need, whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or building a new deck. Most of our knowledgeable staff is always on hand to offer expert advice and guidance. And with our competitive prices and convenient online ordering, Metters Hardware Store is your one-stop shop for all your DIY needs. Visit us today and let's build something amazing together. Are you in need of legal representation? Look no further than the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson. As the oldest law firm in the River Valley, we have been serving our clients for over 100 years with locations in Ozark, Fort Smith, and Springfield. Our experienced team of attorneys provide expert guidance and advocacy in a wide range of legal areas, including personal injury, family law, criminal defense, and more. Trust in our history and experience to get the results you deserve. Contact the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson today at 479-782-8813. That's 479-782-8813. Are you looking for a place to grab a cold drink and some delicious food? Look no further than Arkansas Brewing Company. Located at 201 South 1st Street in beautiful downtown Ozark, our establishment offers a wide selection of craft beers and tasty eats. But what sets us apart is our welcoming atmosphere and friendly staff. At Arkansas Brewing Company, you'll always feel like part of the family. So visit Destiny and Christopher Brockett and staff today and see for yourself what makes us the go-to spot for locals and visitors alike. Arkansas Brewing Company, come for the drinks and stay for the friends. Searching for premium brewery products that will take your daily routine to the next level? Look no further than Sterling Soap Company. Our handmade soaps, aftershaves, and balms are made with only the finest ingredients that give you the ultimate grooming experience. With a variety of scents to choose from, there's something for everyone. Plus, our products are crafted in small batches to ensure the highest level of quality. Or why wait, visit www.SterlingSoap.com or visit our retail store at 16 West Walnut Street in Paris, Arkansas, shop our collection, and discover the difference for yourself. Upgrade your grooming routine with Sterling Soap Company. Without the
1: ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: And welcome back to the Hog Talk podcast. And before the break, I'd kind of tease something about Danny Nose and Sam Pittman, but a point I want to make, again, this is nothing to make excuses because we are halfway through the season. There should have been. But, you know, Dan Enos was hired in January. And the way everything happened with Kendall Bryles and, and flirting with Miami, then flirting with Mississippi State, and then, you know, Arkansas kind of had an O.C. in waiting in Dow Longins. Well, when Kendall Bryles decided to come back, Dow – hit and took took the job in, in in South Carolina. So what if, I mean, the the beginning, maybe they just didn't call it or they called his bluff or whatever and said we're just going to do away with you now long is this now the OC. You know, I mean, that that could have been another option and having all that time, but the the point is is, you know, Danny Enos has not really been in this system for you know, 6 8 months. And the fact that the players now, especially with all the turmoil, if you remember the turmoil between Browse is interviewing for this and that, and then he leaves for TCU, Dow Loggins has gone to South Carolina. So in an essence of, yes, Enos might be the problem and he might need to go, but I mean, what choices or who do you think would have been available in January to come in and, and done a better job? And again, it's, I'm just throwing it out there that we have, you know, we got to talk about it because who would have come into this program in January and and done a better job with this team or this offense that, than Danny knows? That's a good question
1: because, I mean, that timing goes into a lot of all coaching decisions, unless you're just throwing. Um, the bank at somebody to get them to leave wherever they're at. I mean, timing is everything. Um, you know, we can go back to look at after Chad Morris. Um, nobody wanted to come here. I don't care who y'all say interviewed who did. Nobody wanted this job Flipped script. If, and I'm just saying, if in the future, you know, Sam Pittman leaves in whatever way, shape or form, the program is in a different position. And so it's going to be who can we get, you know, who we can get then versus or at that point in time versus who we could have gotten in the past are going to be two completely different things. But, you know, especially after bowl games in January, you already started seeing a lot of coordinator moves, a lot of head coaching hires had already been done. I mean, there wasn't really anybody. There was nobody established out there. So it's either get somebody who has – successful or the currently successful offense um who's familiar or do you risk it on an up-and-comer that you know hardly nothing about
0: oh man that's tough because you've got to look at you're in the sec Mm -hmm. you're in the toughest conference one of the i mean i know everything's getting stacked so i mean i wouldn't i mean we can even argue is SEC the toughest conference in the country right now? We, we don't know that. But that is where do you jump the gun and make a reset now because there still is something to salvage. Because, listen, let's just be honest. This team finishes this year 4-8, and eight, and they give him and the staff one more year. And this thing goes south again another four and eight season. You're 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 daggum near in the same spot that what Chad Morris had this. With better talent. I know you're O line, but, but the defense is playing lights out. The the defense, I mean that that is my only drawback of giving Pittman a, another year. Is because if Hitman, go! I want to. If if I could have it my way, if I knew that everybody on that defensive staff stays,
1: mm-hmm.
0: part ways, find somebody who can run this thing, find you an know, OC who can run a high profile offense and get this thing turned around. Because I don't think with the shape of the new SEC and the shape of we don't know where college football is going to be four years from now. And, and if we have a four- and eight-year this year and then another one next year, and you might even have that with a new coach. That, that's another thing that you have to think about. All right, yeah, let's just fire everybody. Okay, so let's fire everybody. Now you're starting over. New landscape of college football is coming in with, with the transfer portal, NIL. You see teams that are going in, and Colorado is turning around 111 years, and now they're four-and-one or four-and-two. You know, you're seeing what... UNLV is, and but you also look, look what TCU's doing. I mean, they barely can do it. Brian Kelly, look at, look at LSU. They have the most talent pool per capita in America, and he's struggling. I mean, their defense is horrible. And so, I mean, and, and, and you're making Missouri look really, really good. That's another team. You're looking at that game that I guaranteed that KJ was going to win. I hope I, I hope I stand corrected on I hope that he wins that game, but it's – I mean, the way they looked against LSU and was able just to throw up and down the field worries me.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't want to talk reset, but it's one of those if you're going to do it, rip off the Band-Aid. Um, but I'm with you totally that, you know, if that were to happen, whoever came in, I mean, this defensive staff deserves more time. Yeah. Um, so you'd hope that they, that would be able to stick around, but you never, that's the issue. You never know when it comes to, you know, head coaching changes, but I, with the changes happening, no more divisions, Texas and OU coming in. I mean, we looked at coming into this and coming into them joining the SEC of, oh, they're going to struggle when they get here. They don't know what they're getting into. We're going to be on the up and up and it's completely reversed. Um, both of them ranked in the top 15. One of them was in the top five. Don't, I didn't look today to see where they fell to after the loss, uh, Texas to OU. But, um, you know, Brent Venables had his down year, if you will, to figure things out. And they went six and six or whatever. And he's got them rolling now. He got to figure it out.
0: I I think I seen a, um, a tweet where, who was it? It was OU. And Kansas State, I believe. The games they played this weekend, they got beat 97 to nothing last year combined. And both mm-hmm. teams ended up winning this year. I mean, but that, but again, I know Arkansas fans don't want to hear it, but comparing OU and the talent compared to what Arkansas has, I mean, you could turn around a program in a year or two, you know, but then look at Texas. They're kind of in a higher tier, but in the same situation as Arkansas. You know, they, they have this, we're, all right, we're, this is our year. We got Quinn years. We're going to be good. They look really good. And then you, you've seen what happened yesterday where, I mean, they battled, but they just got outplayed. I mean, Jalen Catalan got just, I mean, destroyed on that last pass. I mean, the dude just blew right by him. I mean, it, it's, you've got to have that system you got to have that offensive power where you're going to be able to score. Like, again, Arkansas is the defense, but they don't have the offense. And it's like you're talking about changing coaching staffs. Who's going to be your quarterback next year? That, that's a big thing that you got to think about when we're talking about ripping off Band-Aids is, are you going to be starting over with a new coach and a new quarterback? And how is that going to play out?
1: Yeah, I mean that you definitely or you have to question that because you know if everything stayed intact, I think we can all probably agree that it would be Chriswell. But if you're changing things, that could very well change. You know, you still got singles back there, but um, you know that's a big question. Um, I I'm concerned with how this season is going and how it could continue to go on um, the recruits that we do already have committed just because, you know, they haven't signed on the dotted line yet. So, you know, I, I'm leery of the day that, and this is a big when and if that are we going to start seeing the ones that we do have start dropping off Yeah, or do they stick around? Then there's a coaching change and then they start dropping off. I mean, it's all things you've got to play into.
0: Yeah. And, and again, that's, that, I think your, your defense is solidified and, I don't think you'll lose many people when it comes to the defensive side of the ball because, man, I'm telling you what, I was, I mean, yeah, they had some miscues. Uh, Clark, you know, had a couple of plays where he missed some assignments and cost a big play. Um, But overall, I mean, when you get put in crappy situations, I mean, and your back's against the wall a lot of times, it's going to happen. But you get the, I love how they're starting to disguise the blitzes and they're showing pressure and they're able to get athletes. It's, you got to get the depth. And that's, Mm -hmm. we can get all these, like the, the previous comment earlier, you can get five guys to come in Well, you're expecting those five guys to come and play 60 minutes. You think you're 300 pounds, but you're also pushing up on somebody 350 pounds for 60 minutes. I mean, that's going to wear and tear on you. And then you do it 10, 15 times or 10 to 12 times in a season you got you got to have depth and that's the thing that's missing the most is depth when it comes to this team on on offense on defense once they get but they got to have consistency to where that's where winning is key you, you got to start winning games and i just don't want it to be too late like like the fan base the boosters even us mm-hmm. we think that Pittman and enos we give them another year they can turn this thing around with having a full year and full off season with this with your squad, but man, it's like you already have so many questions on who your quarterback's going to be next year, what you're going to be doing. You, this this was the worst time for this kind of year because it was so much promise coming into the year, but then again, were we misled? Because I'm I'm looking at a, a certain aspects of how fast they said we were, how many people were doing this many squats on this. And we were told that we have all these athletes where we misled on the the smoke screen of look how fast they can run and look how strong they are opposed to what they're really doing on the field.
1: Yeah. um, I've thought a lot about that. and You know, I, I think it was potentially a little bit of the smoke screen or you're just focusing on, certain things, you know, like the weights and the speed and whatever. Cause I mean, it it was the off season. There are things you can and can't do. Um, so you're focusing on that, but I think maybe some of it was a little bit of a smoke screen. You know, I think back to, um, it was during, uh, when Bielema was here and I forget what the strength and conditioning coach his name was, but they would put out a few videos, um, of the guys doing squats And they even did it in the middle of uh, Razorback Stadium on the 50-yard line. And I remember it was like when the lights come up, the freaks come out or something like that. I mean, it was a whole hype video around it. And, you know, granted, the offensive line was better during that time, but I think that was a year that we still won four games that year. And I just look at, are we just doing things like, hey, look at this when we've got other issues over here?
0: Yeah, and goodness gracious, it's just, man, I I feel, look, I I feel feel bad for for the fans because just what y'all have had to endure for 30 years, you know, you have, you go back to the 80s, I mean, you have some good success in the 80s with Quinn Grovey, then you have some success when you finally got settled in with being in the SEC in the 90s with Stoner, then you have McFadden, then you have Mallet, and then you have the big run where you had, you know, Wilson and Allen. You know, you have sprinkles of where your team was successful and glimpses of what this program could be. But there's a lot of years after that, it just shambles. And, mm-hmm. and I, that's where I feel bad is because you're hoping that this, this, this program turns it around, you know, and the fans don't want mediocre, but that's what this program has been. It's, it's been mediocre. You know, you look at the schedule, you look at their ranking. I mean you're three the seventeen years, you're three games over five hundred, and and that, that's not exceptional. You know, that I mean you're you're being looked at right now as you're thankful Vanderbilt is in the conference right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's where the program is. That's where we're looking at this program. Thank God we got Vanderbilt.
1: Yeah. And I looked at, you know, with just because after Alabama, the bye week, you know, we've got Mississippi State. I look at it like, you know, since we couldn't get Vanderbilt, at least we have Mississippi State on our schedule because, mm-hmm. you know, I look at us kind of at that 12th spot, right ahead of Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. But, you know, we see a lot of stats that they're not it's not that they're not accurate but they're put out there to either make you feel good to yep. prove a point whatever um so we're not going to take a chunk of Arkansas's record and a, a chunk of a, a certain amount of years and say no this is why um Arkansas is not mediocre this is why the fans deserve better or whatever whatever let's just be, look at the Arkansas program since joining the sec as a whole, you're going to look at your overall record and you're going to look at your recent history, whether it's your recent history under this coach or maybe your previous two coaches, but you're not going to go select a chunk of 10 to 15 years out of the middle of it and say, this is what we deserve or this is what we should be looked at. Like you're not looked at it for those 10 years your program is looked at for what you've accomplished mm-hmm. in your entire existence in, a, in that conference.
0: Yeah, and you, and you look back, you look, look back at the 80s. I mean, that, that right there was your most successful decade that you've had. I mean, I mean, you had 10-2, 9-3, and 9-4, and 10-2, 10-2, and, 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 and that was from 85 to uh, 89 under Kenny Hatton. Then you look in the '90s. I mean, you went eight and five in '95. You went nine and three in '98 and '99. You went eight and four. So there's three three good years in that decade. The '2000s. 02 you went nine and five, nine and four, back to back nine wins. 06 you went ten and four. '07. Eight and five oh nine. So uh, well, I guess you could match up the two thousands with the eighty. So in the two in thousands, I mean, you ended with the ten and three and in, in, or eight five in two thousand nine. Then of course we know what happened in ten and eleven, and then you went four and eight three and nine seven and six eight and five, seven four wins two wins two wins, and now here we are at nine and four and twenty one. So I mean, you see what I'm getting at with these sprinkles, mm-hmm. and. You know it's time to be where, if you you always see the trajectory of this this peak and then it falls off the peak and falls off and that's where, I mean, Bobby Petrino went five and seven and then eight and five, ten and three and eleven and two, and then of course we know what happened. So I mean, you you've got to have and he was an offensive mind coach. You've got to get someone in here. Or, I mean, Pittman, and get somebody in here on your offensive coordinator. Get, get somebody in here that can sit there and just take over this offense and make it what it could be. You have the talent. You're going to get the talent. I mean, the, the biggest thing that I will go along with is, you can if you can recruit in every other sport here at Arkansas and be successful, you can do it in your most important sport. Because you get kids to Arkansas and they see the hype. And they just quiet the noise of the social media, and they take the hype and the fans that will love them. I mean, could you imagine this team, a team comes in wins 10-11 win games. They're going to be remembered forever. That's just mm-hmm. how the, these fans are. That should be enough to when you reel that together and you put a winning season or two winning seasons together, all that, that springs boards into where now you're a powerhouse, you could be a powerhouse in the West or, or in the SEC.
1: Yeah, and, you know, one thing I've seen a lot of, I don't necessarily want to say comparisons, but we'll look at, you know, Sam Pittman's tenure and we'll compare it with Mark Stoops at Kentucky.
0: Um, What? Uh, I was, um, yeah, go ahead. I'm shaking my head because, I mean, I've heard this three times. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. But, you know, the thing,
1: everybody wants, you know, them to give Pittman what Kentucky gave um, Stoops. Here's the issue with that kentucky is a basketball school their fans know that they are a basketball school their boosters know that they are a basketball school um so it was one of those things with as dreaded as kentucky has been they were willing to let him be there six seven eight years and figure things out Uh whereas we're in a situation that you have people saying Oh, we're a baseball school. Oh, we're a basketball school. Oh, we're we're this, we're that. And then if things aren't fixed by year three in football, it's fire them and find somebody else. But, you know, so it's one of those, it's like, do you want somebody here that's going to have rough patches and get maybe hopefully see the other side of it and maybe just consistently win seven to potentially ten wins in a season? And I say potentially because that hasn't happened often. Or is it if they don't produce after for three or four years, you got to get them the hell out of here?
0: Well, I want to ask you this, and, and we're going to compare Mark Stoops to Sam Pittman, all right? Put Arkansas in the east. Mm-hmm. How do they do? And, and we're talking about they, how they're doing right now. And, uh, I mean, even the nine-win season, even their first year of the COVID season. So if you put Arkansas, and you give Arkansas Kentucky's schedule, would they be where Kentucky is right now? No. So you can't compare. It, it, you know, mm-hmm. our, there's been a lot of comparisons. Well, Arkansas is, is like the Kentucky of the West. No, they're not. Kentucky mm-hmm. has had success. They're five and one right now. Yeah, they got blown out by Georgia, but we all remember the last time Arkansas played Georgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was twenty one nothing before I even got the popcorn in the bag. You know, you, you, it's, it, you can and I can sit there and say, yes, I know the East is easier, the, the East schedule is easier, and running through the East is a lot easier than the West. But if we're going to compare, would you take Arkansas what, what, and I'm going to use that as my question of the day tomorrow. What would Sam Pittman's record in the SEC be if he had an East schedule? And would that change? Would they be sitting at five and one right now?
1: I look at it like, you know, let's, okay, flip the script. So then you'd be playing, which I know we're playing Florida this year, but you're going to add Tennessee and then you're going to add, let's see, South Carolina who struggles, but at times flashes some, um, Georgia. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, you're, it's one of those things that there's still better teams than you on the other
0: side of the division. I mean, could you beat Missouri right now? No. Could Arkansas beat South Carolina right now? Toss up. I, I I'd give it a toss up. mm mm-hmm. I, I Vanderbilt would give them a scare, but I think they would yeah. they would they would play that. But if you look at it, could you know Arkansas right now? Could they beat Florida right now? No. Of course, we know Georgia, Missouri. Then they play Tennessee. We're about to find out if Arkansas could beat Mississippi State. Then Kentucky has to play Alabama, South Carolina, before they play Louisville, which, of course, we would, we would take somebody else and pl- replace them with uh, maybe an LSU or something. But, I mean, that's just this year. What year was, again, I want to go back and see uh, last year's Kentucky schedule. They went 7 and 6 last year. Beat Florida. Could have Arkansas beat Florida last year. Yes. Okay. We beat South Carolina last year. Mississippi, then they played Mississippi State, Tennessee, Missouri, Vanderbilt, and Georgia. So, what would have Arkansas's record been differently if you were to put them in the East? I mean, that's something we can ponder on and think about, you know. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's and it's, this
1: is no knock to, like, because since we both played Mississippi State, you know, we got embarrassed by Mississippi State last year. They were riding on a lot of emotions last year with the passing of Mike Leach. So, you know, they did with what they could and beat teams yep. that this year they're not beating.
0: Yep, and Kentucky so, won that game last year. They, they, they beat okay. Mississippi State 27-17 to 17 last year. Kentucky did. Mm-hmm. They got blown out by Tennessee, beat – they beat Missouri, but lost to South Carolina. And I'm not saying – now, listen, I mean, I want to be very clear. I mean, we can say this is a toss-up. We can say that they're equal teams, but the whole – well, we, our program is this. I wouldn't say it because Kentucky, back to Benny Snell, they've had success and they have won games – that they were supposed to. Arkansas hasn't. Arkansas has lost a lot of games that they were supposed to. And I'm strictly going underneath the Sen Pittman era. You know, there's there, there's a lot of, and honestly, I would compare them to the South Carolina. Mate, well, I don't know who would you compare them to the, in in the in the East because what what was Arkansas's. Because you can't say Texas because that's outside the conference. What was Arkansas' last big conference win? I mean, under where you were like an underdog and you, you pulled it out and you won. Would it have been two years ago? Quite possibly.
1: I mean the yeah. the
0: three three trophy year. Mm-hmm. That 9-1 year. Yeah. You know, it, it's one of the things that, yes, we got to look in the mirror and know that what Arkansas is as a program, and we can say do this and do that, but we can always say complaints. But who – okay, so if you want to fire Enos, who would you have? What, what's your resolution? If you want Sam Pittman gone, what's your resolution? What Who would you bring in? Who do you think could come in and – that's the questions we need to be asking ourselves because the answer might not be there. You might want this person, but do they want to come?
1: Mm-hmm. Then uh, that's usually the the quick thing is people throw out the fire and get rid of them, but then it's, okay, what's your next plan? Yeah. What's your next step? Because no. unless you're, like I said, unless you're throwing the bank at them, you got to think about those things.
0: Yeah. And, again, that, that, that is going to be another factor when we're talking about this money with this renovation of the stadium, this, the big Reds bar, rooftop bar, and all these things, renovations of the Bud Walton Arena. I mean, everything that goes into this athletic program, what they're spending, do they, are they holding out for this buyout? Are they going to give Pittman another year? Because whether they start over, or are they looking at it from the aspect of the business aspect? Well, whether we do it this year or next year, we're going to be in the same position.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what what do we have to lose? What what do we have to lose as a program if we give Pittman and Enos another year? I mean, because they could turn this thing around and just I mean again, totally with a full year come back and, and make something of it. But yeah, that's to, yet to be seen. But definitely. But I guess we we when we. we, we, we we went on the down the rabbit hole pretty quick on the, on this one, but no I mean it's it's a lot of things instead of just you know ranting and raving about we really do have to look at all the factors when it comes into this program and I do believe that uh, as much as people say, you know Arkansas kind of gets the curse they get the the tough breaks the injuries and stuff like that but I really hope they they can turn things around salvages for the fans and really they need a break. The fans need a break. The program needs a break. And something, and you, miracle, miracles happen. You beat Alabama next week. That's, that's that'd be a good start to uh, turn this thing around. That, that'll change a lot of things. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. We're going to have a pretty busy week this week. On Tuesday, we're going to be talking via phone uh, to Mike Irwin of Pigtrail Nation. I noticed he's been doing some You know, back and forth on Twitter, and really getting in the weeds of this program. And nobody knows this program as much as he does, maybe Clay Henry. But we're going to have him on it Tuesday evening at seven to join us. He will be on the phone. That will not be an or a video version of that, but it will be live. We'll be talking to him about the state of the program, what he thinks, and then Wednesday we're going to bring back the women's weekly women's sports report because. There's a lot of good things to talk about when it comes to the women's programs, the volleyball team, softball team outscoring their opponents 53-2 to in in, in four games, five games this weekend. Volleyball team is the highest ranking. You have the number one golf team. So Wednesday at 7, we're going to bring that back and really deep dive into all the programs and really looking forward to bringing that back, really looking forward to talking with Mike. But we will catch you on Tuesday evening.